Philippians chapter number 1, and uh, we were on this particular uh, message a few weeks ago, and we're going to start reading in verse number 27 and read down through the end of the chapter, which is verse number 30. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, uh, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in behalf, in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which ye saw in me and now uh, here to be in me. Uh, A few weeks ago we started with this thought and wasn't real sure if we'd finish it or not, but we dealt with the thought, conduct worthy of the gospel. And very quickly, I just want to give you the first part of what we dealt with last time about the, the general observations of these particular passages. And, and we dealt with the word conversation in verse number 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And before I can move on to the second point in this message, we've got to establish that for those of you that were not here for the first part. The word conversation here, many times, especially in the New Testament, the word conversation is your lifestyle, your daily walk. Here, specifically, it means to behave as citizens or to behave as a citizen. Specifically, he says, let your behavior as citizens be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So, in other words, our behavior as a citizen of heaven should declare the gospel of Christ. Everything that we do, that we say, places we go, uh, the things that we accept, the, 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 our life should declare the gospel of Christ. And so uh, we read over in Philippians chapter number 3, verse number 20, he uses this word again. He says, now unto, um, that's, that's not the right verse here again. That's chapter 4, verse number 3, or chapter number 3, they moved it. For our conversation is in heaven. Again, conversation, this is to behave as citizen. And Paul point, put a point on it, and he says, your citizenship is in heaven. So he's speaking to believers here. And our behavior as a citizen should be worthy of the gospel. Now, if our citizenship should become the gospel or brother Jody to be worthy of the gospel, then that implies that there is also a behavior that is unworthy of the gospel. That is my fear tonight. And, and that has been my fear for some time, not only for myself, uh, but also for the church. And, and I was talking to a man today coming uh, down the road and, and I was reminded that I'm not the pastor of the church down the road and I'm not the pastor of the church on social media, but I'm the pastor of 
this church, of Lighthouse Baptist Church. Would y'all agree with that? Come on. And so as such, my mind and my heart should not be uh, on how that church is being dealt with and, and the messages that should be preached there and what should be addressed there but should be addressed here. And so with that thought in mind, we as a church here need to make sure that our behavior as citizens of heaven uh, needs to be worthy of the gospel, not unworthy of the gospel. Peter also thought about these same lines in First Peter chapter number 2, verse number 11. He said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Peter said that these, this thing that is warring in us is the the fleshly lusts, and as we go into our lives daily, there's going to be some things that are warring against our souls. But if we'll walk as a citizen of heaven, and we'll glorify God in our acts, in our words, in our deeds, then the people that are in the world are going to see those things, see the way that we act, see the way that we react, and when the time comes, they're going to give God the glory. That's what First Peter here in chapter number two says. So I finished this this thought that uh, about this uh, this general observation with this. If we are not behaving as citizens in a manner worthy of the gospel, then the only alternative is that we are behaving in an unworthy manner. And I do not want to be held accountable for walking in a an unworthy manner where the gospel is considered. So, tonight, I want to try to quickly finish this thought with specific observations concerning our conduct. Specific observations concerning our conduct. I want us to look at verse number 27 again. And we've been taking out some, some phrases in this and dealing with those. It involves standing fast in one spirit. The specific observation, it involves standing fast in one spirit. If you'll look with me at the end of the verse, he says with, uh, or, or that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Behaving as citizens or our conversation involves standing fast against the things that besets us. Against the things that we deal with from day to day. The things that we struggle against. Know that we are told that we ought to, if we turn over to Ephesians He says that we ought to stand against the wiles of the devil. He says in verse number 12 of chapter 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He says because of those things, he says, take unto you the whole armor of God, 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore. Then he begins to say, having your loins girt about with truth, having the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. And then verse 18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And so here in Philippians, after he has told us to stand in Ephesians chapter, what was that, chapter number five, chapter number six, he says, now we are to stand fast in one spirit. He equips us with things, something that we can fight with. He has that sword. We have that shield, but he tells us to stand. He tells us to stand and to stand fast. We sing the song, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. It's coming up the road today and the song, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. That song came on. And one of my favorite songs. That rock of... Jesus Christ is that rock that I stand upon, that you stand upon, that we should be standing upon. And Paul here, he says we should stand fast in one spirit. And we, we, we said that we should stand fast against the things that would beset us. What are those things? The things that would lure us, such as immorality or materialism. If we're not careful, we'll, we'll be lured away from God by immorality, by sin, by things that, that we lust after, but also materialism, things. I, I, would, I would almost say, and I would almost say, and I don't have a statistic for this, but I would almost say that there's been more people leave God based upon things than sin. There's a lot of good people out there that used to go to church. And they're not out in gross sin. They're not doing anything wrong. They, they're still upright. They're pillars of the community. They still read their Bible. They still listen to good music. They still pray, but they don't go to church. They don't really depend on God for their, for their everyday daily bread, if I could say it that way, because they've, they've started depending on material things. They've been beset by materialism. Others have been beset by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Then unbelief. Unbelief can can strike even the most of mature Christians. Whoever the most mature Christian is in here today, let some tragedy happen. And our belief is put to the test. Our faith is put to the test immediately, just like that. And if we're not careful, unbelief will grip us. But we need to stand fast. Deceitfulness of false doctrines. Heard a long time ago that, that a lie, the reason that lies are so easy to believe, and the reason that lies are so successfully told is because they're crafted to look so much like the truth. 
And if we're not careful, we will let the deceitfulness of false doctrines carry us about and toss us to and fro. But we need to stand fast, stand firm. We also need to stand fast in one spirit. He says that you stand fast in one spirit. I don't know that I can honestly say today that we're to stand fast alone in isolation. I don't know that we are to find us a corner somewhere and say, okay, everybody, I've got this. I, I can fight this battle alone. Y'all, y'all handle your business. I can handle this battle. I can handle this giant all by myself. That's probably a dangerous attitude to have. Now, if you want to try it, try it. I'll try to help you stand up. But I've been so prideful before that I've tried that myself. And it didn't work for me. He says in one spirit. I believe that that involves community. If I'm not mistaken, unless your Bible says something different, this is spirit and this is a lowercase spirit. And so it's not necessarily the Holy Spirit, but this is the spirit. This is this is community. And we're talking about uh, the citizenship of heaven. He says we need one another. Paul says we need one another. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 25. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. We need one another. If we're not careful, we will try to isolate ourselves. Let me, let me just stop and let me be real for a minute. If I'm not careful, I will... I will shut down. You could ask my wife. You probably ask my kids. Something will start bothering me, and I'll, I want to be by myself. I don't want to be around anybody. It's not because I'm mad at anybody. I just want to be my, by myself. But that does not help me. In fact, it hurts me. Not physically, Brother Jody, but it makes it worse. Because I sit there and I sulk and I begin to think about it and I begin to overanalyze it. And before long, the, whatever's bothering me is worse than it was before. And the same thing goes with these burdens. And somebody was talking, maybe teaching the other day about these burdens. Some burdens are, are, are meant to share. Some burdens are, are God wants to take them away. Some burdens God will come in and He'll, He'll help you bear those burdens and, and so on and so forth. And, and, and the same thing goes here. But Paul says that we need to stand fast in one spirit as citizens of heaven. As citizens of glory, we need to stand fast together in this fight that we are in. We'll get to the fight in just a moment. Unworthy conduct usually begins when we neglect the blessing of fellowship. If you're not careful... When you begin to pull away, and, and, and I realize there's some folks not here, and I'm not beating the people that are not here up tonight. I need you to know that. I didn't know who was not going to be here. didn't know who was going to be here. But I'm also 
I want to be very clear. I'm not beating you up for being here either. But I want to warn you tonight, if we're not careful and we begin to, to withdraw from the fellowship, our fellow citizens of heaven, we will very soon begin to fall away from God. Little by little, we begin to fall away. And when we do that, we'll begin to walk unworthy of the gospel of Christ. Some specific observations. One, it involves standing fast in one spirit. It also involves with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Verse 27, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. So, as we behave as citizens, we need to promote the gospel of Christ. He says that we are to strive together. Strive together. Now, casually reading this, this means that we ought to be fighting one another. No, that means to, that means we need to fight with one another. Fight together with one another. We need to lock arms and we need to go to battle with one another against the enemy. How do we do that? Well, what did Philippians say? What did he, or what did Ephesians say? He says, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What is the gospel? It is the good news of God. Where will you find it? In the Word of God. What did he tell us in Romans? He says that, Let's just turn over there. Well, Romans chapter number 10, I believe it is. Let me just make sure we say it right. He says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring the good, glad tidings of the good things. We need to be telling the gospel. We need to, if we want people to hear the gospel, we've got to tell the gospel. We've got to share the gospel. So we need to strive together. Doing this in unity with other Christians. He says together in one mind. Now our our conduct though is unbecoming the gospel if we're not striving for the faith of the gospel. If we're always fighting one another, that's not becoming the gospel. If we're not in unity with one another, that's not becoming the gospel. We need to have unity amongst ourselves. Mamas and daddies. Husbands and wives. The men of the church. The women of the church. The youth of the church. We need unity within the church, but also at our homes. If we're going to be beneficial to God, we've got to, as citizens of heaven, we've got to walk worthy of the gospel. It also involves not being terrified by your adversaries. Look at verse number 28. He says, And nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that of God. 
So let's just break this down just for a minute. Christians that are walking in a manner worthy of the gospel, they're not going to be troubled by those that persecute them. Now, I know this is, this is easy to say in America because it don't happen a whole lot. Somebody, somebody might stick their tongue at you because you took your Bible to school or you might have bowed your head at the McDonald's or something like that. But Christians here don't get persecuted a whole lot. We might think we're persecuted because somebody might have said something. But if we could go maybe a couple thousand miles, maybe across an ocean or across a country's border, you might find somebody that's truly being persecuted for God. But tonight I want us to know that that if we are to walk worthy of the gospel of Christ, He gives us something on the inside that we do not have to be worried about the adversary. One, I believe maybe Jody, I don't remember if it was last night or maybe uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks, but we mentioned it. One, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Okay? We are more than conquerors. He's already won this thing. So I realize that when we're in a battle and we're seeing our, if I could say it like this, our giant or our Goliath, okay, and we're facing, I realize that's going to frighten us. But in the grand scheme of things, we can hide behind Christ knowing that He's going to fight the battle for us anyway. He already has. But if the devil is going to get to us, he's got to come through Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 10 through 12, it says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. This was in Matthew chapter number 5. When you get to Matthew chapter number 26, 27, 28, you see that they also persecuted Jesus. So if they persecuted the prophets, and they persecuted Christ, know that they're going to persecute you. Be glad in it. Because I believe that's a proof that we're part of Him. There may come a time when... We have, as he says here in verse 29, he says, it's, it's been unto you, it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. So there may come a time when, when not only have we been able to believe on him, but we're also privileged to suffer for him. I believe it was Brother John the other day, Brother John Smith, he was uh, speaking and he maybe was on the phone or something, I don't remember. And we were talking about the Apostle Paul. And he mentioned over in Second Corinthians chapter number 12. And he says uh, at the end of verse number 9 where, where Jesus said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee. He says, most glad, Paul said, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. That's the type of attitude we need when we are faced with persecutions for Christ's sake. Paul says in verse number 29 and then verse number 20, uh, uh, verse number 30, he says, 
you're having the same conflict that you saw in me, but you're also having the same conflict that you're hearing about now that I'm dealing with. He said you should glorify God in these things. If, if it ever does fall our lot to suffer, we should count it a privilege. In Acts chapter number 5, verse number 41 and 42, our attitude should be like this. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And they daily in the temple and in every house, excuse me, and daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So, in, in this, I feel like kind of scattered message tonight, in these few verses, we see that there's some observations about how that you as a Christian, as a believer, ought to walk worthy of the gospel. There are some general observations, but there's some specific observations that, that we find in verse 27 mainly, but then also in the previous or the, the, the next few verses. There's some things that we can look at and we can see how that we ought to walk. We should glory. If you're anything like me and trouble comes, one of the first responses to trouble is why? Is why. I believe it was Sunday. Maybe it was Brother David when he was teaching. He mentioned something about questioning why me. And I've said that more times than I care to admit. Why me? God, why me? And I was reading a book and the man was asked that question. Is it okay to, to, to ask that question? Why me? And his response, he says, you, you should be asking yourself, why not me? Because, Brother Jody, if, if, if I'm under the pressure and I say, why me? Then what I'm essentially saying is, God, why didn't you put this on Jody? Why didn't you put this on Irene or Tabitha or Braylon? Why'd you have to pick me? Put it on Michael. He can handle it. That's what we're doing when we say, why? now, I'm not, I'm not getting on to you if you've asked God, why me? Because I have. I'm just trying to give you another perspective of this thing. When we begin to ask God, why me? We're also saying, God, why not somebody else? And so as we think about suffering for Christ, consider the fact that you're a citizen of heaven. And it could be a privilege that you're suffering for Him. Now, if it's a punishment for sin, maybe your question should not be, why me? Maybe you need to, maybe you need to change your W word. Woe is me. Or, what have I done, Lord? Maybe we need to change our questions. But I encourage you tonight, as you, as you look, and, and we started this two weeks ago because we were reading in Philippians in our daily Bible reading. And you've you done moved past that now. But as you read the Scriptures, as you read the Word of God, I know you're not preachers, but look in these things and see how you can apply it in your own life. If you're not careful, you'll look over the word conversation and we think modern conversation, the way we talk. Or maybe you look in a dictionary and you see, okay, that means your lifestyle. 
But if you begin to dig and you see, okay, this means that I'm a citizen of a far country. Then you can begin to consider it in a different light. So, 